Jason, welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, you are awesome. You're one of my mentors in security. I've learned a ton from you. I'm really excited to be asking you about this stuff because I think there's a lot of things that I've learned from you. And I know folks are generally interested in security paved roads and guardrails and how those things came about. I'll just do a quick intro for anybody that's not familiar with who you are. So you started off, I believe, as part of the at stake mafia. Maybe there was like parts of your career before that, but that's the first point I was aware of, of you is at stake mafia. That was one of the first really good security mafias. So I think today you see this group of security folks that follow each other from one place to another, but at stake was a pretty legendary one. And then you joined Netflix in 2011. I think one of the first security people, if not the first, and really built that program into a legendary security program. Uh, in that time, you grew the organization to over 100 people and invented a lot of really cool things that folks in the industry use today. So thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Travis. Great to be here. So I wanted to talk more about guardrails and security paved roads. As far as I can tell, you are really the first person to say guardrails and not gates, which today lots of folks say and want to use, and paved road as applied to security. Uh, where do these terms come from and how did you start using them? Yeah, the first time I used this sort of gates versus guardrails analogy was back at the LASCON in 2013. I did a talk there. It was called Gates to Guardrails, Alternate Approaches to Product Security. And it was you know, really driven from my move from VMware, which was a much more sort of traditional linear development place to Netflix, which was very, very heavily invested in public cloud and sort of distributed development microservices, public cloud, all that fun stuff. So basically trying to get the same objectives accomplished, but in a much different culture, much different velocity. So that, that was where that analogy came from, was moving from controls that are typically very human driven to ones that are much more automated and integrated. Um, so yeah, that's both gates and guardrails. And paved road was in use at Netflix when I started, or it was maybe just sort of originating maybe in you know 2012, 2013, and sort of the broader platform engineering SRE space. So I just kind of naturally adopted it for security because um, I think, you know, if you think about central teams like security or SRE, they get a lot of collective energy by doing things reasonably the same way, right? You don't want your, your SRE team to be taking one approach to incident management and your security team taking a completely different approach. So that's kind of really what I look to do is sort of jump on the coattails of what was already happening. And that's really where things like security paved road, security production ready also came from. Awesome. Yeah, it's such a powerful concept. So as far as I can tell, Lemur was really the first example of this. How did Lemur get started? Sure. Yeah, Lemur, what Lemur, so Lemur is basically an SSL slash TLX certificate management sort of platform that does the provisioning of certificates. It does monitoring management, all that kind of fun stuff. And it really started in 2014 when there was the big heartbleed vulnerability, which affected OpenSSL and a bunch of stuff. And it basically required a mass rotation or replacement of certificates. So in the process of doing that, the engineer, Kevin Glisson, who was, who was sort of in charge of that, really wanted to envision a more scalable way to do that. So that's where Lemur, like the origination of it came. And yeah, once we sort of had it up and running, you know, if you think about, you know, SSL management, SSL operations, it's not one of those things that typically got a lot of love, but it did create a lot of outages, right? I think just about any big site has had some sort of SSL related outage because they forgot to renew a certificate or they didn't handle the right ciphers or something like that. So 
we sort of looked at that as a great opportunity to um, to automate, you know, to bring some engineering uh, into the problem space because, and, and that's generally what I would look for philosophically is, is from a security automation perspective is to look at what are the high value problems that have historically caused issues and, and potentially tension between security teams and other teams like engineering. Uh, and basically invest there, make that interface kind of smooth and well-supported, and then uh, sort of build from there. So yeah, Lemur was super successful, um, you know, kind of solving a boring problem, but had been around for a long time, not necessarily super flashy, but uh, super practical and helpful. Yeah, I talk about this a lot. If you think about what an engineer has to go through without Lemur, they have to select a Cypher suite, generate a private key, generate a certificate, get the certificate to the load balancer, and then remember to rotate it. No engineer wants to go through all of that stuff. It's really complex. All they're going to do is have an opportunity to make a mistake. Lemur replaces all of that with just push a button, tell us about your app, and we'll handle it for you. So it seems today like this would be a no-brainer, like everyone would want to use it. At the time, did it seem that clear-cut to you, or was it a bet? You know, I would say... Um... I mean, it, it felt relative, like, you know, like, yeah, this makes sense to invest because I think for all the, all the things that you mentioned, but also um, like, if you've ever used the open SSL command line, I mean, how do you, how does that even work? Right. There's a thousand options and 1500 sub options and it's impossible to really figure out, Oh, how do I create like a certificate signing request or, you know, all this, all this jazz. But actually, in addition to that, you know, I think what folks, you know, I guess non-security minded folks wouldn't necessarily understand if they were trying to set up, say, HTTPS is that, you know, the process of handling key material, like that's not something you want to screw around with, right? That's like sensitive material that needs to be protected. So you can't just be generating that on, you know, random developer laptops and sort of, you know, shooting it around the network. So that was... That was a really nice thing. You, almost if you think like the way an HSM works, right? You want to isolate people from handling sensitive material. So it, it basically did everything. Like it managed, it monitored, it used the right certificate authorities, it handled the private key material appropriately. So you just have all this gnarly stuff that if you think about you as an engineer, maybe you, you know, push live, you know, one or two systems a year. And like, why would you want to, burden yourself with all that knowledge and understanding of how to do that correctly. If you're only going to do it, say once every, you know, a couple of times a year, and then assert, you know, it, it stays in, it stays live for a couple of years. You're just going to do it so infrequently. It just doesn't make sense. So I think that's also a great way to think about paved road is if, if it's something it's highly security, highly security sensitive needs to be done correctly, but it, it's done very infrequently by the average developer. Like, why would you want that? Why would you want somebody to spend the time to try to get that right when, you know, the security team is really in the best position to handle that. Totally. Yeah. So win for developers because they don't have to worry about this stuff. They're not going to make mistakes. Win for security team because now you have an inventory, you know, the keys manage well. So yeah, just win-win all around. What are other examples of that? So basically paved roads that you've seen for security that are really helpful that take burden off of engineers and also make sure that things are done well. Yeah, I think, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't add, I, I think a paved road is really kind of a philosophy, right? It's sort of like, hey, you know, in places where folks have choices of how to do something, we want to create a paved road. It's smooth, it's well-supported, you know, hopefully it gets wider and smoother over the years. But so, I, you know, I think of it as more of a philosophy than like, hey, these are the 10 things that a security paved road should have. I think folks should sort of start where it makes sense. 
But, you know, in terms of like specifics, like the things that we did at Netflix that I would consider additional parts of paved road, you know, I think honestly, like probably the best, like long-term example that we put together was, you know, the system that we had called Wally, which was kind of a multifunction reverse proxy, you know, web app firewall for like line of business system. So we, we used it a lot at Netflix for studio systems that, you know, various creative professionals would use. But, it, you know, the origin of that was uh, Zool, which was open source by Netflix many years ago. That was basically the main routing proxy where all the traffic from for Netflix.com comes through. But I remember, you know, pretty succinct or pretty crisply, I guess it was, you know, maybe 2015, where we started having this need for people wanting to put more and more systems on the internet because their their user base wasn't necessarily Netflix employees. It was, it was um, you know, third parties. It was folks working on productions, so TV shows or documentaries. And I remember our guidance for that was, it was atrocious. It was like a 20-page Google Doc with, with link outs to wiki pages. And it was just, it was awful. And just in terms of the user experience, because to your point, right? You're, if you imagine yourself as a studio developer, you built this really cool app. It's got all the right functionality. Now let's make it go live. And then I have to go to this 20 page doc and do all these, like I got to meet, have meetings with all these folks. So, you know, we just said, this is just not acceptable. We just need to just get rid of that. Um, so Wally, we, you know, we took Zool as the open source base layer. We started combining in other components that we built along the way, you know, like identity and, you know, logging and web app firewall integrations and, you know, all the telemetry and stuff like that. I basically made it just like a simple push button. So now once Wally was available and people needed to go on the internet, you just sort of opted into that. And it just kind of took care of everything for you. So it's almost like a managed reverse proxy WAF. And you just, same thing had, has, you know, SSL integrated all that. And then you, Again, the, one of the benefits of the paved road is it simplifies decision-making and it also abstracts you as the sort of product developer away from the intricacies and the complexities of uh, a really specialized subdomain like security. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great example. You just save so much time and developer load and everything like that. They don't have to worry about it. It's just 20 pages of docs and follow instructions gets replaced with just integrate with that. And it's the easiest way. So of course they prefer to use it. Totally. That's awesome. So it seemed this concept is really powerful. It seems like you would also want paved roads outside of security. Did you see any good examples of that? Yeah, you know, because I, I, I mentioned, you know, we certainly didn't, you know, I didn't kind of invent, you know, paved road for security. I was, it was already like the idea of paved road was already in use by colleagues. So I was like, yeah, it makes sense. But you know, all the 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 platform team. I, I've heard a lot lately about. I guess platform teams are becoming much more popular. Uh, you know, when I started. In 2011, it, it was on the cloud platform team. So, you know, Netflix, I think early on had, had that idea where they they knew it would make sense to sort of insert a layer of engineering between, you know, your end user and the cloud for all kinds of things, security and efficiency and sort of appropriateness, cost effectiveness. Um, and really, they kind of did that really with a program that sort of, it didn't quite have as many legs or like long-term viability as paved road, but, you know, this idea of production ready. And there was a good O'Reilly book. I think it was from Susan Fowler from called Production Ready Microservices. And it's this idea of like, hey, in whatever dimension of operating a system, whether it's reliability or efficiency, security, like there's a bunch of stuff that you should be doing um, that to sort of get you to this idea of production ready, kind of like a free flight checklist. And, you know, with other teams at Netflix, there were things like observability. So, you know, we had a, a really nice system called Atlas. And then there was, you know, the CI, CD, the, the deployment system, Spinnaker. 
um, you know, base images for your for your virtual machine or virtual machines. These were all things that were sort of provided for you by central teams. And the idea was they were, you know, effective at what they were doing. They're well supported. So you as the end user should just just use these things and just like just don't even think about it. Um, now, that didn't preclude you. I mean, Netflix is a place pretty well known for individual autonomy and choice. So you as the end user, you could do something else if you wanted to. There was nothing going to say, hey, you don't have to use Lemur for SSL management or, you know, these base images. But if you didn't use them, then you were going to be responsible for all those things that were provided. And frankly, it was almost kind of like a, um, not quite like an informal peer pressure, but it was sort of like, well, wh why wouldn't you use these solutions that are being provided for you? And, and certainly like, you know, I remember very distinctly, you know, folks that didn't use some of those systems and they would have outages or, you know, availability issues and they're going to ultimately be responsible for those. So you're going to have to be, you know, as an engineer or an engineering leader, you're going to have to be comfortable answering questions if your system's having problems, especially in the sort of in the domains um, or areas where there's clearly a paved road, um, why haven't you been using those? Why aren't you using those? Why are you using extra engineering bandwidth to solve problems that have already been solved? So that's, you know, probably not a conversation many folks would want to have. So. Yeah, totally. But you yeah, could do it. You could do it if you wanted. So. I remember coming to Netflix and one of the first things I was trying to do was deploy a service. And I remember being blown away at how easy it was. At Netflix, you know, as an engineer, you're responsible for all kinds of stuff that I wasn't used to being responsible for, keeping my service alive and making sure that it's tested and has metrics and deploying it. But the good news yeah. is that there's all of these tools that just make it really easy. You go into Spinnaker and you say, here's an app. It gives you like a nice framework for deploying it and good practices around that. There's a whole metrics framework and you get all of that for free. So really these central teams invested a ton of effort building platforms that you could use rather than doing the ops for you. And I think that ended up being really powerful. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's, and yeah, it was very much a cultural thing. I mean, I think that was one of the things that sort of drove the central teams. They really wanted to make, you know, we really wanted to make our users happy because we were, everybody was sort of in service of this really focused goal of like, we were trying to, you know, bring this really amazing streaming service to our end users. And everybody was super excited about that. And, you know, when you're excited about a problem, you want to work on it, but you want to work on the stuff that's like you bring some unique experience and energy to not sort of solving the same problems that have already been done. Totally. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously central teams spend a lot of effort building these, you know, you as a leader of that part of the business, how do you decide whether it's working? So hopefully all of these paved road systems are going to drive some kind of value. How do you justify your investment? What are the metrics that you're looking for to know whether the paved road is working or not? Yeah, that, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, you got to measure things. Um, I would say the one benefit I had from, or I guess many benef benefits, but you know, the one of the primary ones of being at Netflix for you know over a decade is you actually get a chance to see what works or doesn't work over the long term, right? Like if you're at a job for a year or two, you might you maybe you implement a system or two, but I mean, who knows if it's still working in three years or what what problems did you run into when you were scaling it or you know, when, you know, the company went international, et cetera. So there's all kinds of, we grew from, I think when I was there from about 20 million users to 200 million users, pretty much US, Canada to the world, you know, multi-region AWS, you know, all that, all that kind of fun stuff of growth on a bunch of different dimensions. So when I think about how do you measure paved road, there, there's really two things. One is what is the adoption, right? So if you think about paved road as a choice that somebody has, well, how often are they choosing your option? And just if you have low adoption, that doesn't mean 
your solution is garbage. Maybe you haven't advertised it well, you know, maybe it doesn't quite have the right features. So you need to drive adoption. So you, you want that to be, you know, your kind of typical up and to the right sort of graph of like over time, you're getting more adoption. But really the like the more important one is actual efficacy, right? Does this thing actually give you the outcomes that you want, right? So if you think about lemur, as the sort of SSL management paved road, well, what are the things that you would expect to benefit? I would expect to have fewer outages because of certificate expiration. I would expect to have fewer, you know, lower costs over time of managing SSL. Like you don't have a bunch of certificates that are issued by different certificate authorities, things like that. So, you know, whatever outcome you're trying to drive, like maybe you're trying to drive faster deployment time or, you know, you want your incidents resolved sooner, or you want more actionable postmortems, et cetera. Like those are the things you have to measure long-term. So ultimately you want your choices for the paved road to sort of lead to the outcomes you want. And, you know, like I think a good example we had was, you know, on that sort of Wally, um, you know, notion of where we're trying to make it easy for folks to get like really secure and supportable systems on the internet. I remember we, we did some measurement of some of the authentication, the identity controls we had in there. And, you know, and it, and it ended up like for folks that opted in, they had like, I don't know, like 40% fewer like critical vulnerabilities. So if you think about that, just provides you so much advantage and leverage because that's fewer vulnerabilities that the security team is dealing with, fewer pushes that the engineering teams need to make, you know, just less overall noise. So those are the kind of things that I look for. First adoption, make sure people are actually using it. And then over the long term, does it actually have the effect that you were expecting? That's awesome. Yeah. One thing I'll add to that too is self-service. So basically how often do engineers come and use your system and then not need any further help? They just get whatever they need yep. set up without needing any kind of like central team guidance or manual effort. Yeah. I think a really, um, you, you, since you mentioned that, I think a really um, smart thing for teams to measure, and we were doing this um, we were starting to leverage it, but was, you know, whatever your main support platform is, you know, we use Slack a lot. We had a channel where we, where we received inbound inquiries and we sort of hand it, handled support there. And we ended up doing a lot of automation within the Slack channel to, you know, see, well, who's asking questions, what teams are these on, how many, you know, how long does this thread need to go before you get your problem resolved? Um, and those are super helpful because, you know, if you, for example, if you have a bunch of questions coming in on a paved road solution and all those questions are coming from the same organization, you might say, oh, well, we need to do a little more, more outreach there. Or maybe you're getting all your questions on, on a particular technology and it takes you like 50 messages in a thread to resolve. It's like, oh, yeah, you're probably not as self-service as you think you are. Maybe your docs need, need some improving. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, what is the cost of supporting a paved road is important. And I think that's a really, you know, smart thing for folks to invest in, especially as you sort of think macroeconomically as things, you know, if you think things are going to tighten up a bit, you want to become more efficient. These are the kinds of things that you want to spend your time and energy on. Yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, one really cool thing that I realized is that Netflix kind of invented or was one of the first to cloud security posture management. So another open source project was Security Monkey. Security Monkey really is an inventory. It'll show you what your cloud resources are, what state they're in, and then also where you have gaps. Basically, it's not configured the way that you want it. In a world where you have paved road and folks just set things up correctly, how do you see these kinds of like scanner tools fitting in with those? Yeah, you, you know, that was... Um... You know, I, I think I was like, maybe naively or optimistically, I, I would always want to be like, hey, let's just create, you know, these, these sort of 
systems early on in the process that just do the right thing, right? And then we don't need to worry about detection and remediation. And of course, that's, you know, I think it's a great sort of vision, but you ultimately, it, you know, a kind of lesson learned, not necessarily the hard way, but over many, many years of doing this kind of thing, is that with any of these controls, you really need sort of both sides of the problem. So you need to detect, you know, you need to detect the sort of negative of what you're trying to do. So, you know, again, going back to the SSL certificates, just for some consistency, well, I want to be able to look at my environment, what certificates are not managed by Lemur, you know, which ones are issued off a certificate authority that we don't actually support, which ones have, you know, worse cipher suite configurations that we would like to see. Um, and then we need to remediate those in production. And then of course you need on the front end to have a way of stopping those things from happening in the first place. So, you know, honestly, while CSPM has been around for quite a while, um, you know, I talked to a lot of security teams and I still don't really see really um, like sophisticated use of CSPM. I still see a lot of like the, your typical stuff, open S3, you know, the, you're just the stuff that we've seen for years and not really like the corresponding infrastructure as code or, you know, stuff on the front end to stop them from happening. So I still see this kind of hamster wheel of pain where a tool generates alerts, the security team goes and fixes the alerts and then more alerts happen. So I think smart teams, again, if you're trying to get efficient over the long term, you're trying to deliver more value, you're going to find those things in production. You're going to, you're going to start fixing more and more before you get to production. And then over time, Right, your CSPM. I don't think CS. I think CSPM is always going, probably going to be a must-have. But I think like your day-to-day, -day, if you're getting like the same number of critical alerts over your from your CSPM, like month over month, quarter over quarter, you're doing something wrong. Like you're not you sort of investing in sort of driving those down at the front end of the lifecycle. Totally. Yeah. Once you get those CSPM findings, then you're basically in cloud bone management. And as an industry, we're terrible at bone management. It's basically cut a Jira ticket, go and TPM people to death. You know, by then it's so slow and ineffective that it takes months sometimes to fix these things. 60% of breaches involve some bone that you already had a Jira ticket for. So yeah, I think proactive in addition to making sure that things aren't falling out of the back is probably where teams want to be. Yeah, totally. I mean, I agree. I think bone management, having worked on it for, you know, pretty much my whole 25 something year career, it's, it's just a problem that you know, I think we just need to think fundamentally different about the problem, right? We're just this whole, like, I mean, you know, patch Tuesday, just, you know, when is there ever, a, you know, zero patches on it? it? just, it just never happened. There's always vulnerabilities. So I think investing a ton in like scanning and is just a fool's errand. You know, I, I just say invest your money other, elsewhere. That's it's still going to give you the same outcomes, but that whole like scan identify patch is just, oh man, I just, I would not, I, I would not want to be doing that eight hours a day. Neither would I. What kinds of problems do you think lend themselves really well to paved road solutions and what kind of security problems aren't a fit for them? Uh, so, I mean, I generally always go back to the idea of choice, right? So to the extent that the end user has a choice, then I look at that, okay, now we can start thinking paved road. Because if you think about, you know, we, we would use different analogies for not using the paved road. Like, you know, maybe you're going off the beaten path or, you know, you're going to sort of bushwhack yourself and you're going to kind of cut your own path. Um, so I think anything that you have a choice, I think, I think makes sense. So, um, and especially, and I think it tends to be used more of an, an engineering context, but I think it also makes sense in sort of traditional CorpSec GRC workflows. So like things like vendor onboarding, right? I think, you know, it makes sense for third-party risk management teams to have a 
paved road for how do you onboard a vendor? Like how do you make it make it easy and simple and sort of effective? So um, the ones that you know that wouldn't require, I would say if there's like tons of variants, right? Or like lots of different options where it's kind of like bespoke and like and human heavy, I think those are gonna be less likely. Because really when you think about paved road or when you think about it as a leading a security team and you're saying, hey, we're going to invest in this particular solution, um, you know, any of those choices comes at the cost of something else, right? Something else you're not going to do. So I think, you know, the teams that are that sort of buy into paved road and invest in paved road, they're basically saying our biggest value to the company is by putting our time and energy behind these kind of core problems. And we know we're going to be able to you know, sort of invest less than other. So basically the ability to say no. So like you can't do everything, right? So then you have to decide, well, what are the real high leverage, real gnarly problems we want to work on? So yeah, so the stuff that's super custom and like not really lending themselves to automation, I would say same thing. It's not going to lend themselves to paid growth as much. Yeah, that makes sense. And then similarly, like what kinds of companies do you think can't execute paved road as well, or it doesn't make as much sense? Yeah, I think there's a couple of, I guess, prerequisites. One is that, you know, the more, I would say the more top down a company is, then probably the less effective paid road would be. Because almost almost by definition, when you say a company is very top down, then you have very little sort of like individual autonomy. You kind of take orders from the top and that's sort of how you work. And in those kinds of environments, I mean, they can be very very efficient and very, very high velocity by using like single standards. So like if you, Hey, well, you could only use this programming language. You can only use this runtime, et cetera. Um, you know, and now I would say one of the downsides is that, you know, engineers may feel like they, that may be a less compelling place for engineers to work. I mean, it may or may not. So I would say if it's very top down, that's probably not going to be super suitable for paved road. And, and I would say also, your security team, if you're going to build out a paved road, you're going to be doing some integration, some automation, um, you know, so different kind of like engineering exercises. So I, I think more and more security teams are going to need to have some software engineering talent in their teams. So teams that have some software engineering talent and are in a culture that values autonomy and is less top down, those are the ones that are probably going to work best. Awesome. Uh, so how does a company that is interested in starting this, how do you get started building this as a security team? Like when do you start investing in paved roads and what's the starting path look like? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think, you know, as, as early as you can, like, again, assuming that you buy into this as a philosophy, right? So we're really saying, you know, we want to start somewhere. Like what solution, I would say, hey, look in your portfolio right now and what solutions do you have that you think are well-documented, well-supported and that you'll stand behind and that you would recommend for a given problem. And that's probably your start for the paved road. Right. And then you need to start thinking about, well, how do you evangelize it, make it available? You know, how do you, what is the interface for people to choose it and actually traverse that paved road? Um, and then just build out from there. So I think, I think you got to start, you got to start somewhere. You don't need to start big. Like you we would always say, hey, your paved road might be, you know, very narrow, right? And, and, and the concrete might have some bumps in it, but that's okay, right? That's a start. I would say that's, you know, objectively better than sort of trying to make your own path through the woods, right? So you start somewhere. As you get more experience, as you get more talent capability, you can build a wider paved road and you build a smoother paved road. So, you know, again, it's, if, if you just, I, I love the analogy and, and I love the philosophy, but, you know, it doesn't need to be, hey, we have 50 things on our paved road. You might, you're going to start with one and then you sort of see, you start to measure the adoption, you start to measure how effective it is, and then you just go from there. That's awesome. If I'm the first security hire at a small company, 
when should I get started? Is this something that I do right away or do I get started later once I have a few people? You know, I think, I think honestly, it's, um, you know, one of the other, I mean, forgive me for my overuse of analogies and cliches, but I would always look at, um, you know, people would ask me like, what was it like when I was kind of the first person working on product security or cloud security at Netflix? And I'm like, you know, it, it was interesting. I mean, because I was sort of in that state for a little bit over a year before I started hiring. So, you know, it was just me. And, you know, I would always tell folks, well, when you're trying to build something long-term and maybe you're under-resourced, I say, I, I always use the analogy of like, you're, you're in a canoe and you're rowing it across a lake. And, you know, if you've ever been in a canoe, you're actually, your back is facing your destination, right? So you gotta, you gotta do some work, right? You gotta, you gotta paddle, but then every once in a while you gotta turn around and say, Hey, am I actually pointed in the right direction? So I think like the people who tend to be good first hires and security teams will have that sort of balance, like within the right sort of range, right? They're, they're getting real work done. They're being effective, but they're also thinking, Hey, what am I building here? Like, how am I making myself more effective and more efficient? Because chances are the company is growing around you, right? So how are you going to meet the growth and complexity and size of the company? Um, if it's just you. So you have to start building repeatable solutions. And that's kind of like the early stages of the paved road, right? Is when you start to have repeatable solutions. You might not have everything you want. You might not have like metrics and evangelism and great documents and stuff like that, but you're starting, you're starting there. And then as you solve that first problem, you start to figure out how do you make that bigger? Um, and of course, you know, you're documenting things, you're sort of building something long-term so that whenever that next person is hired, they have an easier you know, the paved road also makes their job easier to support what, what's being offered. Jason, this is so awesome. Every time I talk to you, I learn new stuff. I've gotten to learn most of this from you. And still, every time I meet with you, I learn things that I'm sure other folks will too from listening to this. So thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Always happy to help.